Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Fistle Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted. From Packers.com, I am Mike Spofford, joined, as always, by my trusted colleague, Weston Hodkowitz. We are coming to you old school, I guess you could say. Little did I know when I powered through last Thursday's episode with that terrible voice, it was just the start of something. Not good for me to come back into the office just yet. So we uh, pulled out the technology that helped us out in the past and uh, and we're back on the air, Wes. And this time it's to talk about a Packers victory, 28 to 19 over the Chicago Bears at Soldier Field. And when you start the discussion of this game, it all starts with the fourth quarter because through the first three quarters, this game was not looking good for Green Bay. No, it wasn't, Mike. And I, I was sitting there, you know, especially when Chicago's driving again, and you're kind of thinking like, man, even if the Packers get some answers here, are they going to be able to stop them uh, defensively? But it, and Alan Lazard talked about in the post-game locker room, there were so many parallels between this game and the Dallas game last month where they actually had the first comeback uh, in the fourth quarter. And to me, I mean, between the special teams coming through with the blocked field goal, Jair Alexander getting an interception, you know, he got burned twice on those deep completions. He bounces back, responds the way you want to see him respond gets a big pick and the Packers scoring points off of that pick. And certainly, you know, Christian Watson, once again, doing his heroics late to really put this thing on ice for green Bay all season long, Mike 13 games. They've been trying to find a complimentary performance. I felt like in all three phases, they found it at soldier field. Yeah. It finally came together there down the stretch. And as you said, the complimentary performance, when things started happening Green Bay's way in the fourth quarter, they kept going that direction. I thought uh, a couple of key turning points in this one for the offense. I thought when Christian Watson drew that pass interference penalty, 38 yards Packers were down at, at that point in the game, 19 to 10, I believe was the score that 38-yard pass interference penalty then set up the 21-yard touchdown run by A.J. Dillon. Suddenly, it felt like a brand-new game at that point. And then on the defensive side, you mentioned Alexander had gotten burned for a couple of big plays. The Packers also early in the game got burned for a big play when Justin Fields ran for a 55-yard touchdown. Packers, they, they're giving up too many big plays still, but I thought the turning point was the response 
to the big catch by N. Keel Harry down the sideline, which was the second time that Alexander had gotten beat deep. The defense rose up three plays to force a field goal. And then on top of that, Dean Lowry blocks the field goal to keep the score 19 to 17 there. We've seen so many times over the course of the season when the Packers defense has given up a big play, it hasn't responded to that well to that very well. And it has almost always led to points and often touchdowns for the opponent. That sequence right there, I thought was uh, was a big step forward in, uh, in in winning this game and completing a comeback that was actually 13 points in the first half when the Packers were down 16 to three. Yeah. They've had some monumental comebacks here. When you look at, I think last month with the the Cowboys, that was the first time the Cowboys had lost the game in the fourth quarter where they've been up. I think they were like 150 and Oh, by 14 points where they've had that type right. of lead. And the Packers came back from it. Same thing in this one. I mean, they're never, that's, I think the largest comeback the Packers have had at soldier field against the bears. So it speaks to the mental toughness of that team, but you wrote about it in your Monday morning insider inbox, you know, Dean Lowry is really the unsung hero of this game. One, you know, we could talk about the block field goal here in a minute, but Kenny Clark was the one to point this out in the post-game locker room. I thought it was worth mentioning because so many eyes were on Equinemia St. Brown catching that 56 yard against Jair Alexander. But on that play, seconds, milliseconds before Fields throws that ball, Dean Lowry lays him out, gets a really nice hit on him. And after that first quarter where they gave up 71 rushing yards to Justin Fields, Luke Getze, Fields, they were not running him anymore after that. They asked him to be more of a pocket-type quarterback. That allowed the Packers to hone in a little bit on David Montgomery. And other than that explosive in the second half to Harry, really, I thought, for the most part, the defense played really well. Getting back to that field goal, though, my goodness, if the Bears get points there, if they go up by five at that point, Green Bay Packers, they're not in a position that a Mason Crosby 32-yarder is going to yeah, put them going ahead. you're going for it on fourth down, then, yep. you know, when the Packers get into scoring territory, they're going to go for it. You're not going to kick a field goal at that stage if you're down by five points. And in terms of the Packers needing to find some type of answer, needing a phase like special teams to really pick them up, uh, they, it was incredibly required because, yes, you had the force fumble early on from Rasul Douglas. You had it recovered by Rudy Ford. The Packers weren't able to get points off of that drive. At the end of that game, Green Bay, when I talk about complimentary football, not only did they create takeaways, not only did they make big plays and phases where you're not necessarily going into a game expecting a Dean Lowry block, it's what the Packers did after those plays. It has been the the kind of rabbit they've been chasing all season. And from that regard, I, I thought that was probably the most encouraging thing about this performance. The Packers at four and eight going into this game, really looking up at a lot of different teams here. They could have packed it in going into that the end of that third quarter. And instead they they came together. Yeah, well, in a big moment, obviously, at the end of the first half as well, with the Packers getting into scoring position, score is 16 to three. It's fourth and four from Chicago's 14 yard line. I'll be honest, Wes, and I said it in the live blog, I, I'm kicking the field goal there. It's still the first half, 16 to six. Just go in at halftime, down by 10. You got plenty of time to come back against this Bears defense. Matt LaFleur was having none of it. He's like, he felt like the Packers were going to have to score a lot of points to win this game settling for a field goal there. He didn't like it. He went for the touchdown, gutsy, bold call, and a little bit of a scramble drill. And guess who's on the same page with Aaron Rodgers on a scramble drill there? The rookie second round pick, Christian Watson, a 14-yard touchdown. 
huge risk there because if you don't get the touchdown and you go in at halftime down 16 to three, you're really not feeling good about this game. But that was such a huge lift for the Packers. I know when we're at the games, you know, we don't get to go into the locker room at halftime, but I can only imagine there was a certain amount of energy in that locker room at halftime, even though the Packers were down by six. It, it felt different even at that point. Well, and the, to add a little bit more context, too, to, to your comment about kicking the field goal, why that also would have seemed possibly like a prudent decision. They just lost a yard with Aaron Jones, the, the play before that, when they tried to run it. My guess is when they ran the ball, they're thinking, okay, well, we'll either get the first down or we'll get close to it. Then we're in another position. At fourth and four, you basically have to pass the football. And for Christian Watson, you know, we hear the term plaster. You know, we talk about defensive backs, extended plays. The counter to that is you have to plaster on your man. Christian Watson, with his size and his speed, that is not an easy assignment for anybody. And when the Packers are sending him on these deep crossers, I wrote about it last week, Mike. It is the ultimate weapon right now for this offense because it's not just your typical slant. It's not typically your drag route. It is him taking that thing upfield. And once again, as he's catching those balls, getting more confidence, more and more dangerous, the rookie becomes. Yeah, well, and you mentioned earlier too, Dean Lowry, you know, kind of the unsung hero with uh, with the blocked field goal. Other unsung heroes in this game, Zach Tom, the rookie, yeah. steps in at left tackle for David Bakhtiari, who um, had an emergency appendectomy uh, on Friday. Um, I know a little something about that, by the way, um, but uh, um so Bakhtiari couldn't play this time, unlike the Washington game, which the Packers made the decision to go with Tom at left tackle right before the game because Bakhtiari's knee wasn't feeling well. At least Tom got one day of, you know, full day of practice on Friday as the number one left tackle was able to prepare mentally and everything else that goes into to getting ready for the game. The Bears don't have the best pass rush you know Robert Quinn was traded Roquan Smith was traded Jack Sanborn you know the the undrafted linebacker out of Wisconsin he's going to be a terrific player he already yeah. is a player but in terms of the front four for the Bears and the pass rush getting after the quarterback they weren't able to do a whole lot of it um Zach Tom really really held up well it was the type of performance from the offensive line that that the Packers certainly needed with Aaron Rodgers dealing with the with the sore ribs and everything so shout out to Tom there we'll see you know exactly if or when David Bakhtiari might be able to come back uh, um you know it's very uncertain at this point recovering from a, an emergency surgery like that and then the other thing you have to point out too Sammy Watkins Things haven't gone as well as anybody would have hoped for Watkins coming in as a free agent and, you know, being a veteran presence and hoping to, you know, ease this transition to the uh, to the post Devante Adams receiving core. But Sammy Watkins threw two really, really crucial blocks in this game, one on A.J. Dillon's touchdown run, which was off of faking the jet sweep and Dillon going the other way. And then on the 46 yard jet sweep run by Christian Watson to seal the game. Sammy Watkins throws really the only block that uh, that Watson needed because nobody else for the Bears was anywhere close to him. The whole side of the field was wide open. Um, and uh, 
So wanted to wanted to shout out Sammy Watkins as well. It was pretty cool to see him throw the block and uh, and put the uh, the number one the fist up in the air right away after that because uh, he knew as well as anybody else who was in that stadium that that was a touchdown as soon as uh, that block was thrown. Yeah, that was my favorite takeaway is that that image of Christian Watson, you know, extending down the field and and you see you know Watkins in the background there uh, celebrating. Also, got to give a shout out. Uh, to Sammy Watkins, because on Friday, Mike, you might have remembered this back when you were, uh, you know, having some younger kids around the household. It was the F- Packers holiday family uh, Christmas party. And uh, my son, uh, you've had a chance to, I think, meet him now a couple of times. Yes, he uh, he's the most extroverted little four year old you've ever met. <laughs> and uh, we were at the crafts table while we were waiting to meet Santa Claus and Sammy and his family came up and his daughters, beautiful young family. You know, they were at the crafts table. Well, my son, because again, being the most extroverted probably person in the entire family, uh, quickly made friends with Sammy, uh, was trying to share pens with him and everything. And kudos to Sammy, uh, a true pro, handled that very well, was very nice uh, with my son. And to see him succeed in that way. I mean, the Packers this season, Mike, they went into the year talking about when it comes to blocking receivers, Alan Lazard and Sammy Watkins are two of the best in the business. And to see that area of the game come through for them, because it wasn't just that play for Watson over in the other side of the locker room, AJ Dillon talked about his touchdown run. Watkins was blocking on that as well, helping kind of a crackback, not a crackback block, but sort of the seal block uh, yeah. with Zach Tom to, to spring Dillon to the end zone. The Packers have been so good at that. When we talked earlier this season about, running the football. It wasn't just, well, they can't throw it. They have to run it. It was how they built the offense to run the football. And this game, especially with Aaron Jones and my goodness, that the next time the Packers play at soldier field, I, I, I might just have Aaron as like a healthy scratch. It's just, there's something about that field where he just always seems to have some type of thing that pops up. But yeah, when they, when they went to AJ Dillon in this game, Dillon responded the right way. And I loved Aaron's quote afterwards about it when he's asked about being, you know, Dylan kind of taking the lead at the backfield. He said, Hey, when a dog is being a dog, you got to let the dog be the dog. And, and, and certainly Dylan, you could tell how much that meant to him. This newly, as we found out, expected father, um, being able to, to do that little celebration as well with the rock and the baby. So, uh, yeah. positive signs all around, unfortunately for the Packers, as we know, Mike, they've dug themselves into a little bit of this hole, but, uh, I thought the way that they rallied back when they could have easily folded um, definitely spoke volumes about this football team. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Yeah, and for those who like to dig into the film clips and stuff, I, a little bit of self-promotion here. The Christian Watson jet sweep 46-yard touchdown in the fourth quarter. I went through the game film. My What you might have missed, it's up on Packers.com. You can go through all the clips. It was the eighth time in the game that the Packers ran Watson in motion all the way across the formation. And the first seven, they ran all kinds of other plays. There were pitches this way, pitches that way, play action pass, straight drop back pass, all kinds of stuff. Of course, the first seven times, Watson did not get the ball. The eighth time he did. If you go and look at the plays, 
six, I would say five of the first seven were very successful plays anyway. And then obviously the big, uh, the, the kill shot at the end with Watson. So it's fun film to go through. It's, it's cool to look at. So be sure to check that out. And if I may be sure to check that out, it's great, great stuff from Michael. But you know, the thing about soldier field is we are in a corner of the end zone over there and there aren't always great imagery of the on-field action that play. And yeah. uh, also uh, the touchdown pass both actually were, we had great vantage points on what was so astonishing about that is you could see Chicago try to react to what green Bay was doing and they bit hard on the run, but I also bit hard on the run. And it <laughs> wasn't until Christian Watson is steps away from the sideline. Did I realize he had the football? And at that point, Mike, you watched the film, you broke it down. There's a few people even standing close to him the rest of the way. I mean, that's yeah, the dangerous no, thing there's, about there's him. No, there's nobody close to him. When you when you watch it, it's uh when you watch it, it's pretty remarkable. And you see you know, and the, the AJ Dillon touchdown run that we've been talking about, that was another one too, where, where uh, Watson is on the jet sweep and that uh, you know, that action pulls a couple of guys, you know, makes a cut. It just, even if the guys don't move necessarily, but it can make them hesitate yep. as to, you know, to their reaction to where the ball is actually going. And, and uh, that hesitation allowed AJ Dillon to uh, get through there with those good blocks by Tom and Watkins to, to create that lane. So um, it's uh, it's really, it's really fun film to watch. It was a, uh, it was a good one to go through Packers now five and eight. Obviously the idea is, is to try to win out, to try to get above 500. You see where other things fall. And, uh, um, and we can talk about some of those other uh, results here coming up in a minute, Wes, but uh, I will take care of the sponsor business. Sirius XM NFL radio delivers hard hitting analysis and up to the minute NFL news that true football fanatics need 24 7 365 and at cousin subs we have something for everyone like our wisconsin cheese curds mac and cheese golden fries and creamy shakes all paired with your favorite sub or sub in a bowl cousin subs 50 years of better all right elsewhere around the league in week 13 a lot of interesting things to touch on um the giants and the commanders play to an overtime tie in the first of their two games this season. That could be very interesting here. If the Packers do get on a run, I don't want to get into it too much yet, but if the Packers get on a run, we're going to be talking about that, uh, that giants and commanders tie the Vikings pull out another close one, holding off the jets at the goal line, a couple of times down the stretch, Minnesota gets a win. there, holding off a, a big jets comeback. Couple questions. I want to ask you the 49ers get a big win over the Miami dolphins, but, they lose Jimmy Garoppolo. They are now down to Brock Purdy as a third string quarterback to try to lead what I think is a really, really good 49ers team. Um, where do you see things going for the 49ers from here? And then my other question for you yeah. is, do the Cincinnati Bengals somehow have the Kansas City Chiefs number? They've beaten them three times in a row. Now, who's beaten Patrick Mahomes three times in a row? Yeah, I don't Joe know. Burrow. Joe Burrow has. Like, right. look out. I mean, wow. Yeah, first and foremost, um, Brock Purdy did everything he needed to do to manage that football game uh, once he went in, and he's not going to get help. He's the man now. Yeah. Uh, my biggest takeaway from that game, though, it isn't going to be about Brock Purdy. I think San Francisco's playoff hopes is going to go back to the guy that they sort of wagered their season on, which is Christian McCaffrey. McCaffrey is a versatile, dynamic playmaker, 
but he hasn't been the same running back out of the backfield this season. They're going to need more from him in that area, and it's going to be key uh, to their hopes because if you don't have your number two or number three quarterback, what did the Packers learn You know, back in 2013? You better have a really good running back, and you better have a really good offensive line. That's where San Francisco's hopes and fortunes are going to lie. Uh, as far as the the rest of this week kind of shuffled out, um, I thought New York and Washington tying was just the perfect sort of um, culmination of just what that division has been this year and just the, the, the insanity of it all. I mean, um, and from Washington's perspective, that tie really hurt them in that they fell behind Seattle now because of Seattle's comeback over uh, the Rams, Seattle now is that number seven seed in this playoffs hunt. So uh, I really tying it into where the Packers are at, if I may really quickly, Brian Gutekunst talked to the media on Monday, as did Matt LaFleur and, and Packers have four games to go. And the only thing they can worry about is winning, but seeing how the East shuffles out, seeing about whether or not San Francisco can weather Garoppolo's, you know, absence and, you know, can Seattle rally for all of its flaws around Geno Smith? Uh, this is such an intriguingly high stakes year in the NFC, Mike, because I, I've said it once, I've said it a million times. I think any of these seven teams that make the playoffs have a chance. The Detroit Lions this week, Mike, going into this upcoming week, are actually favored right now over the Minnesota Vikings, the number two seed, um, as that game will be played at, at Ford Field. So they're obviously getting the home advantage, but the fact that that's even our consideration right now with the lions being on the outside, looking in with green Bay, I think speaks volumes about how this, this conference and, and things have shuffled out. Live nation presents concert week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Yeah, well, this weekend, that uh, that Lions game at Ford Field in Detroit against Minnesota, I mean, for right now, you call that the biggest game of the Dan Campbell era to this yeah. point, right? I mean, because really for the for the Lions, it's uh, it's are they going to – stay in the playoff race down the stretch and give themselves a chance and put people on notice potentially by beating a two loss Minnesota team that has, that's won so many close games here along the way, or are the lions not quite there yet? And, uh, and, and they're going to, uh, they're going to fade down the stretch. There's a lot of, a lot of excitement. They, they were fired up in Detroit for that Thanksgiving game against Buffalo. And they took a really good Buffalo bills team all the way to the wire before losing, I think that game on uh, I think that game on Sunday against the Vikings is going to be a full sixty minute battle against uh, against Dan Campbell's boys there. And one other for, thing, I, oh, I'm sorry, and I was go just going to say, and for all the random games that the Vikings have won this season, this would be a good time for Minnesota to finally you know pull a rabbit out of its hat that actually benefits the Packers. That's going to be the other thing too. I mean, <laughs> good way to look at it. They're 10 and two and they've won all these one score games. They've had all these type of weird comebacks and it's like, okay, well now this week go into Ford field and actually take care of business. Yeah. One other thing I want to ask you before we go, um, the Las Vegas Raiders, they have suddenly gone from two and seven to five and seven with two overtime victories. And then another down to the wire victory over a division rival in the chargers. Yeah. Devonte Adams is absolutely going off. 
statistically, his numbers are, are, are going off the charts. Are the Raiders just maybe put, you know, putting some teams on notice in the AFC that, uh, that just like last year when Rich Bisaccia was their interim coach down the stretch and they made a run for a playoff spot. Are the Raiders doing this again? Yeah. I don't know if this one is about the win one for the McDaniels, but it was that line that came out during the heart of their, their doldrums about, you know, potentially could Derek Carr be cut at the end of the season? Are there, you know, considerations they're going to have to make Devonte Adams knows what he's saying and he knows how to play football. And I really thought, you know, him reiterating again, that I'm here because of Derek Carr uh, speaks volumes about, you know, the motivation and the feelings uh, that those two guys, you know, have for each other and the mutual respect there. Um, they don't want this to be a one and done type arrangement. They wanted this to be something that propels, you know, Devante to a potentially a hall of fame career. And hopefully in the Raiders sake, uh, a Super Bowl type run that has not happened this season, but they did pull themselves back into it. The the challenge for the Raiders though, is going to be, I honestly believe the, the talent element of this, they have some good offensive skill position players. They have, you know, Max Crosby on defense, but Chandler Jones, you know, largely underperformed this season. And there's been a dearth of depth at other positions. So, uh, but in the game of, you know, looking at the AFC, you know, the jets right now are sitting at seven and they're seven and five. The Raiders are five and seven. Um, there, there's plenty of teams still uh, looking to get through the back door in that conference. Yeah. I think it's uh it's going to be fascinating down the stretch and uh, uh, in, in both conferences. And Hey, if the Packers can, uh, can keep winging winning and, uh, and stringing some, uh, some victories together, it could get even more interesting here in green Bay. Hey, I'm going to put you on the spot too. Um, okay. How old will Tom Brady be when he retires? <laughs> Oh, is boy. there a five? Does it start with a five? Yeah, no, I don't think it starts with a five, but I mean, how, how long, I mean, was it, wasn't uh George Blanda still kicking field goals at like 48, 49, yeah, I think 49 yeah. is that what yeah. it was something like that. Yeah. I mean, who knows? Right. I mean, boy, um, pretty, pretty remarkable though. I actually didn't realize until seeing the statistics after the game, that the only time in his career previously that Tom Brady had come back from 13 or more down in the fourth quarter was the Super Bowl against the Falcons when they had uh, when they had that really big deficit. So um, he's obviously pulled up plenty of comebacks that were fewer than 13 points. But uh, um, but that one and, and boy, what a uh, um, what a kick in the gut for the New Orleans Saints to play the way they did on the road, you know, prime time at a division rival for 55 minutes and then and then to have it to have it just unravel like that on both sides of the ball yeah, um, yeah. just a uh, just a tough one there um and and I think, uh, I think I think Dennis Allen after the game said you know it it stinks it sucks it's this it's that I mean it, what else is he gonna say right I mean that yeah. was that was a gut punch because as much of a train wreck as this, you know, see uh, saints offense has been this year and the, the litany of injuries they've had defensively, that's been their calling card and to, to lose that game uh, five minutes to go and to see that kind of comeback. That's, that's incredibly demoralizing in a division where if you win that thing, you're a half game, you're a game out or whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, I mean, so. if, if, if the, Sa the, the Saints are looking like, hey, they're going to win a big division game on the road and they'll, they'll be they'll be five and eight and right in the thick of the division <laughs> hunt because of uh, 
because of what they would have just done to the Buccaneers. I mean, that, that, uh, the, the way that game flipped in the last five minutes, um, huge implications for the, for that, uh, for that entire division, the, the saints, the saints could have, I'm mean, the, the saints could have kept that whole division in the division race, essentially, if they had, uh, if they had hung on to that one, but, uh, um, but yeah, the Buccaneer, the Buccaneers pull it out. It certainly looks like Tampa Bay will be back in the playoffs and they will get a home game as a, as a division champ against, uh, you know, most likely the, uh, whoever the number five seed is, which would be the top wild card. So, uh, we could end up, you know, I mean, if you looked at it right now, the top wild card would be the Dallas Cowboys, right? So you'd have Tom Brady against Mike McCarthy in the first round of the playoffs. But, uh, um, but anyway, we could spend uh, the rest of the day talking about all, all of those scenarios, but we will let our producers go so they can put the final cut on this show and, uh, and get it, uh, get it out to the masses. So with that, we'll call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team through the bye week into next week, leading up to Monday night football against the Rams. We will have it all for you on Packers.com for Wes. I am Mike. Thank you for tuning in everybody. We'll see you next time. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.